Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome back for another edition of Investor Stories. On this special segment, the experts describe the most important lesson that they've learned and how that has changed the way they invest. This is the special segment called Lessons Learned. On today's special segment, we have Courtney Ream of M13. Courtney, can you tell us a story highlighting a critical lesson that has changed the way you invest? I think in the last few years especially, I've I've thought a lot about, you know, just EQ over IQ. I had some some personal things happen in my life, some family tragedies that just changed everything, and I think as I said earlier, I've really come to realize that people don't care what you have to say until they know that you care. And just that one shift, I think a lot of founders, because I've, I've been on both sides of the coin, right? I've been a customer of venture capital, and I now have a venture capital fund, everything in between. I think there's just, just a humanity that's kind of gotten lost sometimes. And, you know, people don't sometimes do what's best for the people at the company. They don't do what's best for, you know, they're thinking about what's best for, for their returns. And I understand how that happens. But I think in general... I've, I think, opened a whole new set of opportunities for us by really just thinking about connecting first and just making sure that, you know, founders and people that we're talking to know that, yeah, we're going to do everything we can to help affect the outcome and, and impact our portfolio. But, you know, we care first and foremost, and I just think that gets lost in the shuffle a lot. On today's special segment, we have Mark Suster of Upfront. Mark, you uh, wrote a blog post about key lessons you've learned since writing your first VC check. Can you highlight maybe the most critical things? Well, number one, it, it takes a lot of time to build an overnight success. You know, we read about overnight successes, and there's really two types. Type one is the company that just went up into the right, right? Like it just lightning in a bottle. Let's call that Slack. Let's yep. call that Airbnb. And it happens. It just happens to be the exception. And then there's the kind of overnight success where it seems like it was an overnight success, but it was really like six years in the trenches of, you know, is this company going to survive? Is this company not going to survive? And if you get through that period of time and you have defensible intellectual property with a customer base that values what you built, and you have a good leadership team, and you're well-capitalized, that's when you accrue disproportionate value. I honestly think most journeys these days are like 8 to 11 years or greater 
And we're kind of built in a three-year cycle. Like, you know, I build a company. If it's not up and to the right, I shut it down and return shareholder money. Like, you know, I, I just don't think that's the right approach to the market. On today's special segment, we have Sarah Tavel of Benchmark. Sarah, can you tell us a story highlighting a critical lesson that has changed the way you invest? Sure. So, you know, the lesson that I've just seen again and again is that great founders aren't constrained by market size. I mean, Bezos is the classic example, but I was lucky enough um, when I was at Bessemer to work with Mark Laurie with diapers.com. And, you know, he and his co-founder, they started in diaper wipes and formula, you know, selling diapers, wipes, and formula with like basically single digit, like two, 3% gross margins, like horrible, horrifically difficult <laughs> business to, to make work. And yet then, you know, by the time they sold the business to Amazon, they were and they had everything but the baby, as they called it. They were doing pets. They were doing beauty. They were doing toys. Like they, were just, they just had a roadmap that was as expansive as Amazon's, and there was no stopping them. Uh, MindBody is another example that I got to be a part of when I was at Bessemer, which was they started in yoga studios. Like yoga studios, it's like a microscopic, you know, TAM. <laughs> and yet the the founders there, Rick and Bob, they they just figured out a way to take a playbook that worked in yoga studios and first of all, run the table on yoga. Like it, you were you would be at, at the time you were just stupid to do anything but mind body and then apply that playbook into other verticals. I think there's a very easy mistake a lot of VCs make, which is, oh, a market isn't big enough. And I've just learned again and again that with the right team, they will unlock that opportunity. Love it. Yeah. And you mentioned Bezos. I think it's it's interesting for me to take a step back amidst everything going on and notice that all of Bezos's businesses are thriving in this environment. Like when it comes to streaming with Prime or, you know, e-commerce, of course, or AWS. I, I don't know if he knows something that that we don't. Oh man. But he is set up perfectly for this. And I before need a new it. bracelet that's like, what would Bezos do? Like that's, you know, it's, he's uh, just an exceptional, exceptional entrepreneur and founder. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta and there's already 16,000 VC backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. 
On this special segment, we have Jason Calacanis. Jason, can you tell us a story highlighting a critical lesson that has changed the way you invest? I think the number one lesson for me has been over the last couple of years is the humility to understand just how little impact as an investor you have at times. Um, and that sometimes you can have a huge impact. That is true. The, the nature of having made the calm investment, Alex told me that they were thinking about shutting the company down. Um, he just told me that this year, like five years later, if they if we didn't close the investment, that they thought maybe they were going to move on to another product. Wow. Which was incredible for me, like incredibly meaningful for him to say that. I, don't, I have no reason to doubt it's true, but if he if it's not true, kudos. It's a great story. <laughs> but I think it is true because people didn't want to invest in meditation back then. But I had a very a big leak in my game early on, which is I could see the clear path to victory for a company. And I made the investment, especially with the video camera company I mentioned, or the smoke detector company. In both cases, I was like, I could make this work. I can see the clear path to victory. The founders couldn't get it there. Doesn't mean they're bad founders. Doesn't mean I'm a bad investor. Just meant I was projecting onto them, maybe uh, that they were on their journey where I was having run a couple of companies and they, they had to make their mistakes, right? Sure. They had to, you know, it was, it was their cross to bear. It was their crucible. It was their trial by fire. And not everybody makes it through that. Right. And it's not always the founder's fault. Sometimes it's the market, right? You're up against big competitors and forces that are greater than you, but I've learned to kind of be at peace with that. And I wasn't at peace with failure in the first half of my, you know, I've only been an investor for like 10 years now, but the first half of it, I was particularly surly and not at peace with losing under any circumstances. And then when you realize, you know, you're defined by your winners, the winners are, you know, hundreds to thousand X winners and the losers are one-to-one losers, right? You invested a hundred thousand, you lost a hundred thousand. In this company, you invested a hundred thousand, it turned into 10 million. Like, okay, you don't need to sweat the losers. The losers, the ones that fail, not that the founders are losers, but the, the losing bets, the losing bets You've defined the loss, whatever you put in. But for the winning bets, you don't know exactly what they will turn into. The people who were the angels in Google who still own their shares or the Amazon early investors when it was private who still own their shares or the Netflix investors, they still don't know what their return is going to be. 5,000, 10,000x, 20,000x. Crazy. I mean, it's crazy. When you have a winner, you have to ride those winners and you have to not let the act of a failed experiment, the act of a failure as a company get you so tweaked. It's how I was as a poker player. You know, When I first started as a poker player, if I lost a hand, I was supposed to win. And you can always tell this. Like Brian Koppelman today is on tilt because he didn't lay down kings and I was just giving him some advice. It's like a public tweeter strip. Brian Koppelman, who the creator, co-creator of the exceptional billions, like the best TV show by far on oh, air. Nice. Yeah. And he was just lamenting his kings, you know, not laying down kings. And I'm like, that hand kind of plays itself. Sometimes your aces or kings lose. You still play aces and kings and you don't worry about it too much. You know, there are other things you can work on in your game other than losing with the second best hand. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And that's what I've tried to do is try to, you know, and you know what? It, when you have some outlier wins, it takes the edge off. And, do you feel like uh, it's it causes you to take more ambitious bets? 
Oh yeah. I mean, I just got, before I got in here, I was debating with the team, a couple of companies. And I said, listen, given where we're at, you know, and our fund size, we can make five times the number of bets as a normal seed fund. So for every swing at bat they have, we get to take five. We are obligated to take more risk, right? Mm -hmm. Y Combinator gets to invest in you know, it's about a $2 million implied valuation, and they, but they have to run the program, obviously, which is a yeah. lot of expense too. But if people are paying $14 million on average for some of these companies, they get to make seven bets for what people coming to demo day are paying for one bet yeah. 12 weeks later. Yeah. Of course, they're taking more risk. Of course, you don't understand their betting strategy. If you played cards with somebody who got to get seven hands for the price of your pre-flop raise, they got to see seven flops, you would play seven, nine off, and you'd play five, six suited, and you'd play ace two, you would play these non-premium hands because you could, right? Sure. So because of the way you architect the, your game that you're playing, whether it's a late-stage investor like Masayoshi-san or the world's greatest investors like Bill Gurley, who's pretty much the GOAT, and Sequoia, the GOAT firm, the GOAT individual, the GOAT firm, Bill Gurley. Yeah, benchmark. Sequoia Capital. Yeah. Benchmark. Like, they can play the game because they're Bill Gurley or because they're Sequoia. I have to play the game I have in front of me as Jason Calacanis with a thousand podcast episodes and a lot of young founders who listen to me in high school, who listen to me when they're in college and they just want to, you know, when they get off the plane here, hang out and have a burger with me. Because every Thursday I have burgers with 20 founders. Nobody knows that secret weapon, <laughs> but I do that. I buy burgers for 20 founders every Thursday. Nobody knows that. But I'm out there doing it. I talk to every one of them, and I give each one my undivided attention. I take three hours and eat those burgers. Uh, you work and I do it every week. And well, if you consider it work, right? Like right, LeBron right. James consider playing basketball work or is Good it point. joy? You know, what I consider what I do, a kid from Brooklyn who, you know, dad was an entrepreneur. I'm out here doing this for legacy now. Like I'm out here hanging out with founders who are trying to change the world. It's my privilege. Mm -hmm. My privilege to buy the burgers. My privilege to sit there and hear your vision. So if you're a founder, Jason at Calacanis.com, hit me up. That will conclude this installment of Investor Stories. If you're enjoying the program and would like to see it continue, take a moment and leave a five-star review in iTunes. Also, if you'd like updates on new content from TFR, as well as the top 10 VC articles every week, go to fullratchet.net and sign up for the newsletter. Okay, that will wrap things up for today. Until next time, over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks for joining me.